0: As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Well, I hope thus far that you have known something of God upholding you, and sustaining you what into our eighth week of lockdown services online I think you should give yourselves a big pat on the back you've made it this far and perhaps you're just barely holding on but we're thinking about you and we met as a leadership team this week and we were just praying for you and seeing how much we're missing you all and looking forward to seeing you all soon and every week of lockdown uh, that goes by is a week closer to us being reunited together. And we're thankful that even today uh, there seems to be the beginning uh, of a change and lockdown beginning to loosen up. I was reading this week that one in four people during this time have accessed a religious service online. It's a sign uh, that people are looking for hope uh, during this difficult period. And we as a church have been discovering afresh just that hope that is found in Jesus and all the blessings that he wants to pour into our lives as we've been going through Ephesians. We have seen how God loves us, how he calls to us, how he pursues us and seeks to draw us into a relationship with himself. And maybe you have heard God speaking to you over these last few weeks and calling you back to himself. And we've been reminded out of love of how God forgives us that nothing in our past is a barrier to having a relationship with God. Perhaps you feel, how could God love me? If God only knew what I'd done in my past, he wouldn't want anything to do with my life. I want to tell you this morning that He knows everything you've done, and yet He still loves you and He forgives you of it all. What an amazing thing. And maybe you know Jesus, but maybe, like many of us, you feel that there are things that hold you back in your spiritual walk with God. But we've been discovering afresh. Uh, Through the Bible, that God has redeemed us and liberated us. That it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we've been discovering that as we come to Jesus, He has the power to break every chain in our lives and everything that holds us back. God is the God of fresh starts. That's why the Bible describes that moment of conversion like being born again. It's like we have this second chance in life to do everything differently and we're given a clean sheet to begin with. The Bible also speaks about how that relationship with God is reset. We are reconciled to him. It's this idea that previously we were estranged from God. But now we have rediscovered afresh that relationship with him and we have come to cherish it. How does God see us? Well, he speaks of us as his children. It reminds us that our relationship with God is something that is personal. It is intimate and the children reminded us uh, through their prayer that we can come to God and we can call him our father. And he is a good father. He lavishes love upon us. He adopts us into his family. He wants to bless us and he wants to give us good gifts in order to help to navigate through life. Life is challenging, but he gives us his power, his strength, his protection, his wisdom, his guidance, his love and his presence with us. The list could go on we thought last week of the blessing of knowing God, knowing the fullness of God, knowing the Holy Spirit with us and Christ dwelling in our hearts. So many blessings. God also places us into a new family. Places us into the family of the church, a place where we can receive the love of Jesus through the love of others, a place of acceptance, a place of belonging, a place of healing and restoration, a place where we can be blessed tremendously, like every family should be, a place of safety and security. And So God has blessed us in so many ways through Jesus. And over the last few weeks, as we've all come face to face with our own uh, mortality, we have discovered that the blessings of Jesus do not end with death, but actually that death is a door through which we enter in order to enter into eternal life. A place where the blessings of God will be magnified and the good things that we experience in this life will be multiplied. Now this life is just a taster of what is to come. Well, my prayer is that as we've been thinking about Jesus, and uh, thinking about all these blessings we receive uh, from God, that it would have drawn you into a deeper relationship with him and that your hearts would just be overflowing with thankfulness and Uh, The reality of our relationships with God is that they can either uh, grow colder or we can either come together in a stronger way. And my prayer is that over these last few weeks uh, that you have known that relationship uh, strengthening and building and growing. Well, now we come to chapter four of Ephesians. And Paul wants us to reflect on all these blessings that we have received from God. And he wants us then to reflect upon our lives and to say to God, Lord, if you have blessed me in this myriad of ways, how can my life be a blessing for you? Paul wants us to realise out of a heart, Of thankfulness that we have this deep desire in ourselves or we should have uh, to live for God uh, in a way that will show gratitude and worship to him and so the focus of these coming chapters is how we can do that what is it that God desires how can we live in a way that blesses God and blesses others What will we do with all that God has given us? What is an appropriate response to all that we have received? And as we approach these verses, the focus is not just on us as individuals, but actually rather Paul is writing to a community and he wants them now to take what they have received in Jesus and to live it out together in a way that will be a witness to others and a blessing to others. In the West, often our focus is on ourselves as individuals. Uh, we live life through the lens of me. We think about decisions and we ask, how will this benefit me? How will this impact me. Now that's not the same with all cultures. Some cultures have a perspective of we rather than me. They have more of a focus on community. And as they think about decisions, they primarily ask not how will this benefit me or affect me, but how will this benefit others and affect others. One of the blessings of this period has been rediscovering something of that power of community uh, here in the West, rediscovering that our lives are interconnected. Uh, and thinking through how we can bless and help others, thinking through that sacrifice of staying home in order to protect others, thinking about being good neighbors and how we can bless others and be there for others and in many ways through this period of forced separation it has given rise to this deeper longing within us to be together and that is a blessing to see people coming together in new ways and so here is paul and he is thinking about the church and he wants us to understand Uh, That our lives are meant to be lived out in community. And Paul understands that there is something really powerful when people see not just one changed life, but a whole community of people living differently. And we could magnify that sometimes when we think about community, we think only about our local congregation. But I think Paul here has this global perspective of the world church and imagine how that could change the world. Uh, this group of people worldwide living out their faith for Jesus. Well, there are two words that are reflected in the shape of chapter 4. The first which we're going to look at over the coming weeks is unity. And the second which we'll look at in a few weeks time is purity. Unity and if we as a church are going to testify to the goodness of God then there needs to be unity amongst us divisions and disagreements mar our witness we think about our witness and we think about how can we actually say and testify to the world how God has blessed our lives if we are bickering with one another How can we testify to the world uh, about this love that God has lavished upon our lives if we can't even love one another? For people to see this Jesus movement of people's lives who have been transformed, of people to see the blessing that God has poured into our lives. And they need to see unity amongst us it saddens me when i see people saying ah you know what i've got my walk with jesus but i don't want anything to do with the church that grieves my heart and that grieves the heart of god and we need to seek forgiveness for the way that sometimes uh, the church has not been a community of blessing uh, but actually it's been a, a place of heart but we want to get to a point where as christians we celebrate one another and we celebrate that diversity in unity and where the world can see us all following jesus in the same direction and seeking to bless one another and bless others that is the vision here so we have unity which is so important to our witness and purity and we're going to look at that in a few weeks time But in a very simple way, it is this idea that if our lives have been touched by Jesus, if they have been blessed by Jesus and we've had our lives transformed, then that should cause us to live in a different way. And our lives should align with those Jesus values uh, and just the character of Christ that we see in Scripture. And that will be a witness to the world. And we'll probe more about that. In weeks to come so here is Paul in chapter 4 and he's saying in light of all that God has done for you live a life worthy of the calling you have received the word worthy is an interesting word it comes from the Greek word axios and it means to balance the scales You'll have heard the phrase, a worker is worthy of their pay. It's this idea that the work that they have put in should be of equal measure to the payment they have received. It should balance the scales. How does this idea of balancing the scales translate to these verses? Well, the idea is this, that on one side uh, you have Jesus. And all the blessings that he has poured into our lives together as a community of God's people. And on the other side, you have us, the community of God's people, the recipients of all these blessings. And Paul's prayer is that what we do with Jesus and all these blessings we have received may somehow be worthy, may somehow balance the scales and of be of equal measure to what we have received in Christ. Now, of course, we can never give back more than God has given us. God knows that and he is content with it. He is the giver of all good gifts. And to try and pay back a gift is to misunderstand the nature of a gift. God has blessed us. He has chosen to do that. But what he wants us to do is to enjoy the gifts that he has given us and to use them wisely. And how do we do that? How do we live a life worthy of the calling we have received? Well, the calling we have received is as we have been the recipients of blessing, we are to be a community of blessing. That is a theme that runs right throughout Scripture, that we are to be a community of blessing and a light and a witness to the nations. Well, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, firstly, it has to be worked out in our relationships with one another we will never get to the point of blessing others if we cannot bless one another and Paul knows that the church is to be the place where we begin to practice and develop these gifts of grace in our relationships with one another and so he says be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Here is our starting point together. Here are some characteristics that we need to embody as a Christ-centered Christian community. And the first is this, that our lives together might be marked by humility. Relationships Flourish where there is selfless, humble love. The idea of the church is that we are to be a group of people who are continually laying down our lives sacrificially for one another out of a love for God. I read an amazing thing this week that the Romans and the Greeks didn't have a word in their vocabulary for humility. The word is actually coined. By Paul. For them it was a foreign concept. They were a group of people who prided themselves on power. To choose to humble yourself to another was inconceivable for them. And yet it is the Jesus way. It is the Jesus way. It's about choosing to serve one another. Serving their needs blessing others that is what we are to embody as Christians of course the wonderful thing is that if you have a community of people who are all looking out for one another and serving one another's needs and blessing one another that everyone is giving but also everyone is receiving no one is left out and so humility puts others first if someone is in need it doesn't say well that's not my problem someone else can do it it says here am i how can i help in this situation how can i serve in this situation how can i bless god wants us all to have those servant hearts that go an extra mile and so we're to be humble and secondly christ-centered christian communities are to be places of gentleness The other word that is used is meekness. It is a fruit of the spirit as recorded in Galatians. I read this definition. A meek person has the absence of desire to assert personal rights, either in the presence of God or men. A meek person is gentle hearted. They are not vindictive, nor do they hold any bitterness or resentment towards others. Rather, they have a quiet, willing submission to God and to others. The Greeks used to speak of people who were gentle as friendly, tender hearted and people who calmed and soothed your spirit when you were in their presence. I wonder if you know people like that. Friendly, tender hearted, people who calm and soothe your spirit. When you are in their presence. Stott says that meekness and humility are the perfect couple. They are the marks of every true believer. So we are to be humble. We are to be gentle. That calm, soothing spirit. And then it goes on to say that we are to be patient. And to bear with one another in love. Now, hands up if your patience has been tested during this lockdown period. Just at a general level, this has been tough. Someone said a patient person has the ability to endure any circumstance without giving up or losing control. Without giving up or losing control. And I think there's probably a good number of us who have been on the edge of giving up or losing control over this period. Patience is tough and sadly it is only learnt through times of testing and waiting. And so patience can refer to how we endure difficult circumstances but the word also has a relational aspect to it as well. In Greek, the root word is makrothumia, and it means to be long-suffering in the midst of trial or difficulty or difficult relationships. Trial or difficulty or difficult relationships. It's similar to another word, which is makrothumos, which means to be long-tempered. How do we survive periods of long suffering? Whether it be circumstances or difficult relationships with people who test our nerves. Well, the key is in the second word, to be long tempered. Not having a short fuse, asking the Holy Spirit to help us to control our tongue and our emotions. And more than that... To help us to love that person and to bless that person who would otherwise annoy us. Seeking to be a blessing to others. Seeking to be a blessing in times of difficult circumstances. I wonder if that's you. I wonder if you are long or short tempered. I'm picturing some of you listening right now and I'm smiling to myself because I know you and I know your characteristics. I won't name names, uh, but for some of us, I know that being long-tempered is tough. I know that this has been a time of long-suffering. Many of us have had to put up with really tough times. Being long-tempered as well, that seems a step too far. And yet lack of patience and words spoken in the heat of the moment, uh, criticism and a lack of love, uh, and talking about people perhaps behind their back, these are things that destroy community. But Blessing and love build up and that takes patience. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 14 says be patient towards all men. Uh, I know that as men we need some extra patience or so my wife tells me anyway. Uh, But don't read this verse as men. It's uh, be patient to all people really. But the idea behind it is powerful. It actually speaks about how we can bear insults. How do we bear injury against us? How do we bear maybe unfair treatment or slander or criticism from others? How do we do that without bitterness or complaint or without retaliating? Now that idea flies in the face of the world that teaches you to stand up for yourself, uh, to assert your right to talk back. But patient people aren't walked over, they just have a deep inner strength and they have a deep security in Christ and that leads them to a point where they they don't retaliate they don't feel that they have to win the argument they don't even feel that they have to set the record straight even if it leaves people thinking badly of themselves this is a powerful lesson to learn it was something the Lord Jesus Christ knew about before his, accusi- uh, before his crucifixion, he was accused of many things. Yet scripture tells us that he didn't say a word. He didn't say a word. He didn't retaliate. And then later on it says that Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. To do such takes humility. It takes gentleness. It takes patience. It takes a life that is rooted in Christ. So we're to be humble and gentle and patient, and we are to bear with one another in love. Note that last bit, in love. It's making allowance for the faults and the failures of others, of differing personalities and differing temperaments. Not quickly getting rubbed up the wrong way, nor putting on a facade of courtesy while inwardly we're actually seething With resentment and anger at what is going on. To realise that I'm not asking you this morning. Nor is Paul to be false to yourself. uh, To put on a face. What we're talking about here is developing a deep authentic love for others. And for Christ. That changes our hearts It's positively looking upon those who irritate us, those who disturb us, those who embarrass us. No wonder Peter speaks about love uh, covering a multitude of sins. How do we do this? Why should we do this? Well, we consider the example of Jesus Christ. Do you know what? You're not perfect. And neither is anyone else, including myself. And the wonder of wonders is that Christ loves us. There are many times that we have done things to hurt him. There are many times that we have spoken things that have pained his heart. And yet he loves us and he forgives us. And wonder of wonders, the Son of God came to serve us and to save us and we are to follow in the Jesus example in the way that we show love to one another well finally as we end it says make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace last thought for you to ponder this morning Paul says to the Ephesians keep the unity of the spirit It implies that the Spirit has already given unity. God gives us a gift of unity. Unity in the Spirit is not something that is man-made. It is a gift from God. Our job is not to build it or to create it. It is just to keep it. And we are to make every effort to keep it. The bond of peace rests upon us but it is down to us to keep that peace that's why humility and gentleness and patience and love is so important community community it's a precious thing it's a gift from God he unites us he gives us a community of people as a means of blessing to us and we are to be a channel of blessing to others. And what he gives us as a gift we are to use wisely and we are to maintain. We are not to destroy it and that is done as we bless one another and live in harmony with one another. Being quick to love but also quick to forgive and there is a powerful witness in that. And it it's not just about having unity within our church fellowship, within the local church. It is having unity with our brothers and sisters around the world. And we're going to be thinking about that next week and how often we focus on the things that divide us. But actually scripture and God calls us to focus on on the things that unite us. And we'll be thinking about how we can be a powerful witness as a global community.